Hello, and welcome to Morning Prayer at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Edison, New Jersey. Today is Saturday. We are in the season of ordinary time, and we have come now to the end of the 15th week after Pentecost. We begin our time of prayer in silence. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall proclaim your praise. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Alleluia. Visit us with your salvation, and sustain us with your gracious spirit. O come, let us worship and praise. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before God's presence with thanksgiving and raise a loud shout to the Lord with psalms. For you, Lord, are a great God and a great ruler above all gods. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. In your hands are the caverns of the earth. The heights of the hills are also yours. The sea is yours, for you made it. In your hands have molded the dry land. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For the Lord is our God, and we are the people of God's pasture and the sheep of God's hand. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. You have been born anew through the living and abiding word of God. A reading from Matthew chapter 18. We begin at verse 21. Then Peter came and said to Jesus, Lord, if my brother or sister sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, Not seven times, but I tell you seventy-seven times. For this reason the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not repay, the Lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children and all his possessions, and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him by the throat, said, Pay what you owe. And his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and he threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and they reported to their lord all that had taken place. And this Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt, because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. And so my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you, if you do not forgive your brother or your sister from your heart. The 
Peter asked Jesus to show him the limits of forgiveness. How much must we endure and how long must we put up with the sins of others against us? It seems a fair question and one that I'm sure we have asked ourselves about particularly troublesome people in our lives, but but in other situations as well, or, or maybe even in situations that have to do with life together in our society or our community. How much do we have to put up with? We heard Jesus' answer 77 times, a number so far exceeding Peter's generous seven times that it seems to suggest that we just simply stop counting and simply say that there is no limit to our forgiveness. But when we hear of that, when we hear that forgiveness is limitless, it seems irresponsible and even immoral for us, as if there were no consequences for the way that we treat each other, that forgiveness is always there, and so sin abounds. There must be some threat of punishment that could curb our bad behavior or or let uh, the people know how serious this is. At a, at a certain point, don't we just simply have to cut a person off or remove them from the community or, or lock them up in one way or another? The parable Jesus tells shows Peter what happens in a realm where there is no forgiveness, no compassion, no grace, no love. It imagines the alternative. The story, first of all, begins with a slave who is so far in debt to the king that there is no hope for repayment, even if he could live enslaved uh, for 2,000 lifetimes. Nevertheless, this slave still promises to repay, if only the king would be patient. Seeing the hopelessness of his case, the pitiful state of the slave, the king has mercy, releases the slave from all obligations, and forgives the debt. And in this, Jesus shows us God's grace, the boundless generosity God shows to human beings who cannot hope to ever settle accounts with God, not even if we lived forever. We ought to follow so great a forgiveness with gratitude, love, devotion, a deepened faith and trust, the goodness and graciousness of our God, a worshipful witness to the incomprehensible generosity of our King. And that is what the king is looking for. That is the message that the king wishes to send out to the kingdom among all of the other servants, what they need to hear most. It reveals the identity, the disposition, the goodness, the graciousness of of our God, who is known as gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, whose forgiveness knows no limits because there is no end to God's love. That is a kingdom where mercy and love and forgiveness are a way of life and are met with gratitude and love that draws people together. It is a kingdom that is filled with the love of God and so continually and limitlessly as a matter of life, as a matter of fact, exchanges both love and forgiveness. That is the vision, the glimpse that we have of what God is bringing about through Christ. So now Jesus twists this proclamation of God's grace so that we can see our world as it is and as we know it in contrast to what God intends. 
a world that lives as if there is no God, a world that has no concept of how great a debt it has before God and no great a debt it has been forgiven. But instead, we continue. We continue as if we could repay, and we continue to demand from each other what we are owed. In the second half of the story, we see the world as it is, unchanged by God's love, because the slave has been unchanged by his encounter with the king's generosity. In this parable, the forgiven slave acts as if he were not forgiven, as if the king had not been gracious or merciful. He acts as if he lives in a world where every last penny owed must be paid in full, because that is his right. And in his refusal to receive the king's mercy, he finds that the king's mercy turns into his own anger and his own wrath. He finds not the gracious and loving God who has just forgiven his debt, but he finds the reflection and projection of his own anger, his own wrath, his own lack of generosity, and imprisons himself in a world without mercy, without love, without hope, without forgiveness. A world without forgiveness, or even a world with very limited forgiveness, it's nothing short of a living hell, of tortured souls, punishing and being punished. Punishing people for loveless, unmet obligations that we think are our right and that we demand because they are owed us. Take away God's steadfast love and mercy for us. Refuse forgiveness. Limit love. And what do we have? A world of sin and death, a living hell on earth, the world we live in each and every day. But we know the limitless love and forgiveness of God. We have been baptized into it. We have been raised from death. We sing that hymn, Amazing Grace, and we love it because we know that God has saved us when we were wretched and hopeless, and we have now found ourselves reconnected to God in Christ, and connected and given to each other, so that we can both know and share the infinite forgiveness of our good and gracious God, and live together with Christ in a new creation that not only receives the good news, but responds with worship and gratitude, and then tends and turns and shares that forgiveness with each other. As a matter of fact, this love is the lifeblood of this new creation. Forgiveness is what brings us together and keeps us together and sustains it. You are loved, you are forgiven. Go and do likewise in Jesus' name. And the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high, shall break upon us. Blessed are you, Lord, the God of Israel. You have come to your people and set them free. You have raised up for us a mighty Savior, born of the house of your servant David. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. Through your holy prophets, you promised of old to save us from our enemies, from the hands of all who hate us, to show mercy to our forebears and to remember your holy covenant. This was the oath you swore to our father Abraham, to set us free from the hands of our enemies 
free to worship you without fear, holy and righteous before you all the days of our life. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. And you, child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare the way, to give God's people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us, to shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Mighty God of mercy, we thank you for the resurrection dawn, bringing the glory of our risen Lord, who makes every day new. Especially we thank you for the sustaining goodness of your creation, for the new creation in Christ and all gifts of healing and forgiveness, for the gift of relationship with others, for the peace, the healing, the reconciliation and forgiveness that you give, and for the communion of faith in your church, through which we are sustained in our faith and love for you, and strengthened to love one another, in witness to your glory to the world. For what else are we grateful? Merciful God of might, renew this weary world. Heal the hurts of all of your children, and bring about your peace for all in Christ Jesus, the living Lord. Especially we pray for those who govern the nations of the world, for people in countries ravaged by strife or warfare, for all who work for peace and international harmony, for all who strive to save the earth from carelessness and destruction, for the Church of Jesus Christ in every land, for those who are sick, for those who are mourning, for those who, who have been wronged, for those who are oppressed. For who else? For what else do we pray? We give thanks to you, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have protected us through the night from all harm and danger. We ask that you would also protect us today from sin and all evil, so that our life and our actions may please you. Into your hands we commend ourselves, our bodies, our souls, and all that is ours. Let your holy angels be with us, so that the wicked foe may have no power over us. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom, and teach us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the Holy Spirit fill you with new life and abundant joy, and Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, bless and preserve us. Amen.